Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Emily Harmon. She is a transition coach for federal government employees and contractors. She helps you decide what's next and how to get it. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Amy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you share your story in becoming a transition coach? How did you land in that position? Uh, Sure. Just a little bit about me. When I was, I guess, in high school, even a little bit before then, I was a pretty good basketball player. And I was recruited by several different colleges about going to play basketball. And one of them was West Point. My dad's like, well, if you're going to consider West Point, you ought to consider the Naval Academy. It's kind of closer to home and everything. So I went to West Point. It was gray and rainy, you know, checking it out for the weekend. And everyone was wearing gray. It was up in New York. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know about West Point. I went to the Naval Academy. It was sunny. I didn't know that much about the Navy. But I ended up going there and working for the Navy for 38 years when you count my four years of college. So I guess I like something about working for the Navy. I worked for the Navy as a officer and and also as a civilian. And I retired in May. Yeah. And I retired in May of uh, 2019. I was in the sixth class of women to graduate. So I just had my roommates here last weekend and we were just, you know, reminiscing about what it was like to be in such a minority about like. 1,100 people in the class, and there was about 72 women that graduated in in 1985. And then when I retired, I decided to retire at age 56, which was my minimum retirement age, because I started to feel like, I guess I would say I started to have an awakening, because I started to just feel like, you know, even though I've achieved and achieved and achieved and moved up and up and up, something's still missing, and I don't know what it is. And I wanted to have more conversations with people. I felt like I was just didn't have time. And I knew that I wanted to feel my feelings because I really hadn't felt my feelings. I was just always busy. And I've learned a lot in the past two and a half years about myself. I've invested in coaches and worked on myself. I also knew I wanted to be a coach and I knew, but I didn't know in what area I wanted to coach. And I knew, you know, everyone was telling me what I should do. You should go be a government contractor because I was a contracting officer for the government. And then my last job, I was the director of the Office of Small Business Programs for the Navy and the Marine Corps. So you should be a consultant. I'm like, I'm done with doing what I should do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to figure out what that is. I'm going to figure out what my inner voice, my intuition is telling me because I've been so busy for so long taking care of everybody else, my kids, and that I didn't know how to put myself first. And and I really wanted to do that. And then the next thing that happened after I retired, which really changed my life is in, um, so I moved here in June, right after I retired in May, I moved from DC to Virginia. And my daughter called and said, mom, dad has cancer. We have been divorced since 2002. This was 2019. And, you know, within two weeks of his diagnosis, he was paralyzed in both arms from the cancer being in his neck. It was kidney cancer. It was all over. And he died on December 11th, 2019. And just watching that happen, I helped take care of him. So did my daughter and seeing my kids watch their dad die and, and seeing him die with regrets caused me to decide I'm going to create something. And I created the Onward Movement, which 
is right now a Facebook group. We're going to, we're going to be doing some more get together activities, but it's all about embracing your authentic self, releasing the fear of judgment, like the judgment of what people will say if you don't do what you should do, (laughs) what they think you should do. Embracing your authentic self, releasing the fear of judgment so that you can create the life of your dreams with confidence. Because I saw him die without having created that for himself with with regrets. And I knew I don't want to do that. Life is so short. And um, since I've retired, I've I called it a graduation. I called my retirement a graduation because I knew I was moving on to bigger and better things. And I've learned how to feel. And I've learned that my staying busy and hyperachiever, uh, a hyperachieving was my way of avoiding my feelings. Because when he passed away is when I finally dealt with all the grief from him dying, but also from our divorce. So that's a little bit about why, you know, and then they tell you when you become a coach, you got to narrow down your niche and everything. And so recently, I just thought, well, you know, I I can resonate with federal employees and people that work as a contractor supporting the federal government, and I can help them with transitioning into retirement. But there's other things that I do, like I I coach on leadership, I coach on um, mental fitness and and the importance of leadership and self-awareness. So I'm still kind of fiddling with and determining my niche and how I present myself on, on LinkedIn, although I do have several clients that are a couple years out from retiring and want to plan their graduation and they want to be intentional about it because, you know, you can say, yeah, in two years, I'm going to retire. And in two years, uh, it comes really quickly. And if you haven't been intentional about it and about what you want to do next, you can then find yourself floundering. And so these clients don't want to do that. They want to be intentional. I love that. And that story that you you told me about dying with regrets, I have definitely seen friends of mine that same thing. They were waiting for the yeah. Sunday, yeah. you know, and, and some of them just, you know, really believe that, you know, at some day, like maybe they had strong faith someday, this is going to happen, but they weren't actively doing anything. Right. My daughter gave me a present in uh, last year for Christmas. And it said, it says, and she designed a life that she loves. And now I have Bruce's files here next to me because I was the executor of the estate. He had like several file folders on retirement. He was waiting until he retired. And even then, and he was 64 when he passed away, he hadn't retired yet. So what are we waiting for? I just listened to one of my podcasts that I was kind of editing for uh, to publish. And it was about a military spouse who, when she first got married at age 22 and moved overseas with her husband and got pregnant, she found herself waiting to live her life when Pat comes back because he was on deployment and when this happens and when that happens. And then finally she learned I'm living every day because I can't wait for when he comes back from the next deployment or the next deployment. And you tend to just wait your whole life away. Let's not do that. It's so easy to do that. <laughs> so walking through this journey now, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful that I feel gratitude. And so, you know, I think I used to be like, yeah, I'm thankful for this, thankful for that. I'm grateful that I can feel like I have spent a lot of my career in my thinking head, which is like my conscious brain, which is like 10% of our brain, not really in touch with my feelings. People would ask, what do you feel about that? I'm like, I don't know what I feel about it. I know what I think about it. Uh, but getting in touch with my feelings was hard. So I think what 
I would say now is I'm grateful that I can feel that I really feel joy. I don't say, yeah, I'm joyful. Yeah, I got a good life. No, I, I just like every day when I get up and the things that I do, I'm excited about what I do. I feel joyful. It doesn't feel like work. I'm in flow. I'm just grateful. And I'm working on relationships. And um, there's some areas in my life where I'm not happy with where the relationship stands. So I'm working on resolving that. You know, I I just recently started coaching an 87-year-old man. And, you know, I know that he's thinking about, you know, he's closing in on the end of his life and he's working on resolving some relationships. Nobody wants to pass away with regrets and with like not closing the loop on something. So what can we do to make sure our relationships are in good shape and we clear out some misunderstandings and, and all of that. Yeah. It's so important. So when mm-hmm. someone comes to you and they're, uh, maybe they have fear of retirement, what's one thing mm-hmm. you share with them to help them along? Like what's one of the first things you share with them? just ask what their fear is based on. Sometimes fear might be based on, you know, something new that, you know, they've been working in their career for 30 something years and they're not sure what they want to do. I try to help them think of another time in their past when they did some stepped out of their comfort zone or did something that they were a little fearful of or something like that. So when I coach, you know, I really don't tell my clients what to do. I help pull the answer. The answer is within them whatever I did doesn't mean it's right for them. You know, that's a difference between coaching and mentoring. Like I mentored a lot in my Navy career, but that's when people come to you and say, look, you're, you're a senior executive. I want to be senior executive. How did you get to where you are? And what happened to me and what I did isn't what might be good for my clients. So I help by and asking, asking them empowering questions to help them get to the answer because they have the answer. They just need to get in touch with it. They know what's best for them. So do you have a strategy for helping them create a plan for their future? Yes, I do. I mean, I basically, you know, created this eight step process. The steps spell out the word onwarder because I call people in the onward movement onwarders, you know, it's like open open yourself to change, you know, each step it's on my website, each step has a little description and I have a workbook that goes along with each step, but I give the client the workbook in between sessions so that they can do it. Like some of it's like coming up with your values or looking at your past patterns in your life. Um, the looking at your wheel of life, where is it out of balance? When you look at your relationships, your uh, finances, how much time do you have fun? How much time are you working? What's going on with your kids? You know, is your wheel of life balanced or are you all out of whack? All those things lead to the client getting more self-aware and coming up with an issue that they want to tackle during our session. So you see what I'm saying? I mean, I have like a roadmap that I guide them through, but it's also based on it's not telling them what to do. I give them a workbook that kind of helps them with coming up with their own questions for their journey, not trying to make it cookie cutter and have everyone do what I did because that's not maybe right for them. So what are some of the shoulds many people tell themselves that they aren't, that aren't always true? I should or shouldn't, like I shouldn't retire. I don't have enough money. I, I can't retire because, you know, because this isn't ready in my life, but you know what? I mean, I, what is enough money? One of the things I did is I moved to a place that I can easily afford. And 
you know, not trying to still live in DC where my apartment was like 2,500 or 3,000 a month, you know, it was actually 3,000 a month. I can't live like, I don't want to live like that. And that's not how I choose to live my retirement. So it's like, sometimes we tell her, tell ourselves. I can't, I want that. I really love that in my life, but I can't have it because, and we don't stop. And that's a limiting belief. We don't stop and look at how we could have it. So some of the shoulds are, you should start dating again when you're single. You should uh, not retire. You should go work for another company uh, when you retire. You know, whenever someone tells us what we should do, that's usually based on what they think they would do if they were in your situation. And we need to take that time to get more in touch with what we really want to do. And sometimes our dreams are got buried. We, we forget what we want to do. We forget like who we are because, you know, our dreams get buried under amount of responsibilities, work, single parenthood, or we're parenting, you know, your kids and the kids have issues. And finally, when the kids are out of the house, it's like, who am I? And what do I want? I've talked about this with some of my friends, you know, if your kid says, and I know I'm privileged to say this, but you know, like maybe they want to go to a camp or they want to do something for the summer. You know, you kind of don't think a lot about investing in your kids, you know, giving them opportunities that maybe you didn't have. But then when it comes to investing in a coach, I know when I retired and started working with coaches, I thought, well, this is a lot of money, but you know, I wouldn't think twice about spending that on my kids. So why can't I spend it on myself? It's our time to put ourselves first when we're in this situation. So there's a lot of shoulds that people will tell you, and you've got to just listen to what you want to do, not what everyone's telling you you should do. I don't know about if you've had this experience, but in my life, when I've reached out to coaches versus say going and talking to a counselor or something, because coaches are so about focusing on the future and creating a plan and, and all of that. I've always experienced huge breakthroughs in my life. I've never had an experience where I said, well, that wasn't worth the, the money. No, I agree. And it's so cool to see my clients make a change. For example, you asked, like, do I help them come up with their plan? I do help them come up with their plan, but it's not based on just the thinking head. It's also based on feelings, what would feel right, things like that, which I was not in touch with for the longest time. And I had a client once that was going to be retiring in a couple of years. And this client wanted to leave a legacy where they currently work and also wanted to have a, this detailed plan for what they were going to do when they uh, graduated. And one of their biggest goals was to be in shape when they retired, be in better shape so that they could hike and travel and all this stuff. And when she gave me her plan, she said, it's not quite done yet. I don't have the exercise piece of it in there. And so that was something that we discovered is a pattern in her life where she's got everything else laid out, but what's the most important to her is coming in last in her plan. You see, and that's an example of something that sometimes we can't see ourselves. It takes a coach to help us see it, right? Like that's like a, a pattern. Like she's not in shape now because she's always been putting that last trying to fit it in among all the other priorities. That's yeah. just an example of something that can happen in, in coaching, like a breakthrough of awareness, like, oh, I never really looked at it that way before. Cause I'm like, I'm not looking at your plan. It doesn't have your most important thing in it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Like the limiting beliefs that we have, and we don't know that they are limiting beliefs, but a lot of times they're like 
you know, they could be something like that where you're not putting yourself first, or it could be as simple as something like, well, society says, right. Yeah. And the commercials yeah. I'm, I'm watching tells me that if I'm this age, I, I, I should be doing this. And we feel, I mean, I noticed that I went camping recently just by myself and I woke up at like 10 and got out of my tent and I was making uh, my breakfast and stuff, sitting by the fire. And I thought to myself, I should be hiking by now. And then I thought, I don't have to hike now. I can hike later. You know, we even tell ourselves our shoulds, right? In our mind. I think a lot of times we don't even notice that's part of the mental fitness coaching I do. We don't notice some of the things that our mind is telling us and we just believe it when yeah. we don't challenge it. Well, why do I, why should I be hiking now at 10? Just because my mom would have be, I'm not my mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think my dad would make me get up at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Hiking. Oh, he's not, he's not, we got to get there before the crowd and before yeah. the sun comes up so that we can go down the mountain when the sun's coming up. And I'm like, why? So we have to ask ourselves that why too, you know? Yeah. My mom is 78. She just, she gets up in the morning and does half an hour each on the elliptical, the recumbent bike and the treadmill. And then she lifts weights and then she goes on a four to seven mile walk later in the day. So I can tend to be like, I need to be like my mom. You know, I try to take the words need and should and all that out of my vocabulary. Cause just cause my mom does it, that's right for her. But I'm somebody who likes to kind of relax in the morning and get a slow start. And then I'll do my workout later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Why do you think the language we use when preparing is important when we are preparing for our future? Well, just like to me, the word retirement is like we have a lot of us have this vision in our mind of golf and which nothing's the matter with that. If, if someone wants to retire and do that, that, that it's fine. But golf, watching TV, playing bridge, you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out. And ARP. Yeah. And to me, graduation is like, yes, it's like got an excitement to it. That's why I called. I mean, if I showed you my flyer, it says, you know, you're welcome to come to this says the undersecretary of the Navy invites you to the graduation of Emily Harmon in the Pentagon Hall of Heroes is pretty cool. I mean, I call it a graduation because it felt like I was finally like moving on to something bigger and better, doing something different. I was leaving my comfort zone. It was scary. So the words we use, like, and even the word should, or I have to, we don't have to, or I need to, we don't need to. It's what do you want? Where, where are you headed? What do you want to do? Um, it's kind of like, have you seen like the story of like an, a baby elephant? They can tie it up with a tiny rope. And then as it gets older, it could break that rope easily, but it doesn't even realize it could. Oh, yeah. And I know when I retired, when I graduated and I, and I was starting my coaching business and stuff, I mean, I went right back to sitting at my desk and working. And then one day I realized, you know, oh, I could be going for a hike today. I have this freedom that I never had before. It was kind of like that baby elephant, not recognizing the freedom that it had because we've been just so conditioned. And sometimes we don't even see that in ourselves. And we conditioned to show up to work and you work. And Monday is a work day. So is Tuesday, Wednesday. A couple weeks ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, see clients. That's when my client meetings are going to be. I'm leaving Mondays and Fridays open so that I can go hiking and I can, you know, do fun things. But it, because I had this hyperachiever so indwelled in me, 
it all, my hyperachiever saboteur in my mind will tell me, Emily, you achieve this, you're going to be happy. I achieve it. It's like, "Eh, get that, get that. And then none of that is really what makes me happy because what makes you happy isn't the outside stuff. It's what's on the inside. And I never quieted down enough to pay attention to it. Yeah. It's so easy to really, like you said, go right into that achieving mode. Yes. Um, unless you schedule it out and you have those boundaries and, yes. de- and decide. This Set, is- right. And decide. Yeah. Setting boundaries is one of the things I work on with my clients as well. And also being in flow, like I get more done and I achieve just as much, but I'm not in push energy. I'm in flow energy and I'm not stressed over something. Like right now, I have a little bit of credit card debt because I invested in a coaching program for me. When I say a little bit, I paid 20K for this coaching program. And uh, the old Emily would be all stressed, like, I can't pay my credit card this month off and, you know, whatever. And the new Emily's like, I know that clients are coming and I see them and they're calling me and I'm going to be able to pay that off. And this is an investment in me and I'm willing to do that. And by making that investment, I'm sending the universe a message that I have confidence that you know, I'm going to be able to pay it off. I'm going to get client, you know, find clients that I can help that would contribute to me paying it off. And I'm worth this investment. It's a coaching program I really want. So the old Emily would be all stressed, like in anxiety energy, panic energy. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, doesn't even bother me. Um, but that's, that's new and it's taken some time. And I guess one other thing I would say is, you know, my, my son uh, is an alcoholic and he, drank from age 13 until 23. He's 28. So he's been sober five years. And I used to think, poor Will, you know, he's drowning his feelings in alcohol. And I would, you know, if anyone's had anyone that's an alcoholic in their lives, you know, you can't get sober for them. (laughs) They have to do it themselves. And he finally did. We talk about that in one of my Onward podcast episodes. It wasn't until about a year ago, maybe 18 months ago, that it dawned on me that my alcoholism is busy, is staying busy. I was doing the same thing he was, but just by achieving, 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 and always being busy and not having a lot of downtime. And uh, now I've created that for myself. I was not comfortable being quiet. Yeah. I couldn't see it. That's something that when I, so when I worked for the, uh, my last job for the Department of the Navy was as the head of the Office of Small Business Programs. So I met with small businesses all the time that wanted to do business with the federal government, with the Navy, and they're selling their, you know, they're saying, I sell this product or this service, you know, do business with me. And I could see, you know, what it took to sell and to, you know, track down business and the persistence that it took but I had never run my own company. And then when I started my own company, I saw the same thing. Like you can start to panic, like, Oh, there's so many coaches out there. You know, how do I find clients? Or what if this doesn't happen? What if that doesn't happen? Oh my gosh. And you can like panic. And then the other thing is there's all these people messaging me on um, LinkedIn, Emily, I can help you with your health insurance. I can help you with finding clients. I can help you with this. You know, hey, do you want to be like these other coaches and make 10,000 a month or 20,000? This is how I did it. And you can get like all these shiny objects 
and you can spend a year and not have moved forward because you're just paralyzed with all these options. So the mindset that you need to have as an entrepreneur is um, something that I coach on too, because I've seen it from both sides now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Somebody on my podcast recently was talking, and I don't know if this is a true metric or not, but I think she said like 15 to 30 touch points before somebody might buy from you. It's the no like, and trust factor. So, you know, but so many people are like, I designed this, you have to buy this. That's how they were kind of selling to the, to the government. You know, I have the next best thing since sliced bread and, but the government didn't have a need for that. So you've got to really also make sure you're, you're, you're making relationships with people who might one day need what you're selling or know somebody who does. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mindset about, you know, do you call it sales or do you call it making friends and, and, um, you do what you can each day to move forward. And it's not in your control if the person that you're talking to today says no, because that might be no, not right now, but it might be later and you just can't sweat it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So what are um, some of your client success stories? Well, the uh, one client that is uh, realizing that the fitness needs to come in early. I have another client I think I mentioned earlier, that's like uh, in, in his eighties uh, and he's starting to mend some relationships. So that feels really good to him. He lives in a, a home with other people. And after the first session, he said, I've got to go to lunch today and tell people what I learned at this session. So I'm like, what are you going to tell them? <laughs> it was fun. So those are some things I also help clients with, you know, how do they set boundaries at work? So I have a, a client that was uh, offered a position. And typically when this, in the past for this client, when they were offered a position, they'd just be like, yeah, I'll take it. You know? And instead this person said, I'm going to think about it for a week. I'll get back to you in a week. So set some boundaries and really looked at, is this position right for me or not? Instead of like, oh, they must want me. I got to go to that job. No, let me just think through, do I want this position? So she set that boundary for herself and took that time to really think it through. So also being able to set boundaries over getting a last minute project and being expected to work the weekend on that. You know, how do I handle that with my, with my boss? So those are some successes that I've seen people have and just, just opening themselves up. It's like peeling back an onion to new awareness about themselves and how they show up in the world and how that is impacting others. And instead of looking at what other people are doing in their lives, they're saying, what about, what is it about me that's attracting that? Or what is it about me that I could change? Or what, what about my thoughts that I could change about this person? So instead of, you know, just looking at themselves and making changes inward with themselves or looking at their thoughts about an issue, like this is a problem but maybe it's not a problem. What's the gift or opportunity that you could find in that? You know, because a lot of times what we think about something dictates how we feel that dictates what action or inaction we take, which dictates our results. So if we're not happy with the results we're getting in our lives now, how do we look at our reactions to things, the actions that we're taking and how that relates to our thoughts, limiting beliefs, things like that. So those are just a few examples of, of how I've helped clients. Um, another client went through my mental fitness program. I'd say mine, I lead the coaching, but it was developed by a guy named Shirzad Shamin called Positive Intelligence. 
and uh, she can, she's a business owner and she was really stressed and not sleeping through the night and she's sleeping through the night now. So that's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Cause <laughs> yeah. it's easy. It's easy to get in your head and start yeah. thinking about stuff too much unless, yeah. unless you have a plan to take care of those things and manage that. Right. How do so, we, how do we, how do we address that? Yes. How do we yeah. change our thoughts? We're, our mind, how do we control our mind more instead of having it control us? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. So what do you think your truth has been that has gotten you this far in your journey? I think it's just listening to me, uh, finding that inner voice, listening to me and being me and getting the confidence to having and having the confidence to show up just as me. And that's been the biggest part of all of this. Yeah. I like that. And if you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? It would be make time for you, be in flow. Don't push, 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 make time for you. That quiet time that, you know, like I didn't know how to meditate at first. My coach is like, I want you to do it for 40 days straight. That's how you kind of develop a habit. So she said, how many hours, how many, how much time a day can you spend on meditating? And she had like these blocks. It was a questionnaire, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 an hour. You know, the hyperachiever wanted to pick an hour, but I'm like, mm, on, probably 15 minutes. So, and then every other week when I'd meet with her, she'd say, so what day are you on? I say two, one. She'd say, well, why you and I said, you don't understand. I'm busy. <laughs> you know, this is coming from someone who's retired, who doesn't need to coach in order to make a living. I'm fine. You know, yeah. you don't understand. I'm busy. I've got a lot to do. And so it wasn't until I did get through the, the 40 days that I realized that quiet time is all the difference in the world. So even though I, my mind is telling me when you get up, you got to get right to work. When I make that time for myself, my whole day goes smoother. So that's what I would say is learn to put yourself first. Everything else will fall into place. So if there's someone that's listening that would love to uh, get more information about working with you, what's the best way to contact you? The best way is through my website, emilyharman.com and make sure you spell it with a H-A-R-M-A-N. And then also connect with me on LinkedIn. And But through my website, you can set up a, a, a meeting with me, like a 15-minute meeting or uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll send you a link for, you know, just a networking call and uh, that'd be great. Perfect. I will put those links down below as well. Emily, thank you for so, so much for coming on today and sharing your journey and your wisdom. I think there's so many people that need it. Thank you, Amy. I really enjoyed it. Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.